The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Rupperford, Director of eBusiness for Winfield United. Joining us on the phone today is Craig Huyen, R7 and Data Innovation Lead at Sunrise Cooperative in Fremont, Ohio, and actually our first guest host outside of Winfield United. Craig, can you tell us a little bit about Sunrise Co-op and your role there? Yeah, first off, I feel privileged to be the first guest outside of Winfield United. I've listened to the podcast for a while, and I enjoy it. So to be the first one that's outside of the company walls of Winfield United, I feel honored for that. But Sunrise Cooperative, we are a farmer-owned cooperative in Ohio. We cover pretty much the western two-thirds. So if you draw a triangle from Cleveland down towards Cincinnati, we get east of Columbus a little bit, and then all the way up towards Toledo to the Indiana line. So we cover a pretty good geography for Ohio. And me, myself, I work with growers directly and also work within our precision team. But as you guys know, farmers generate a lot of data and have a lot of tool choices available to them, but don't know what to do with all of it. And we at Sunrise provide support by analyzing the data and tools and help our farmer owners realize higher profitability and or yield. So that's the goal with my job is to try and sort through that stuff and work to help our farmer owners be as profitable as they possibly can and and still strive for higher yields. Yeah, so Craig, thanks for being on again. You know, you talk about being the the first guest host and how exciting that is. Uh, But I, I always think of you as the first guy that really talked about variable rating soybeans. That was kind of the first place that you kind of hit me as somebody who thought outside the box. You know, everybody always goes after variable rate corn, but this guy from Ohio keeps talking about how low can you go with soybeans. So tell me a little bit about how did you get onto that journey or, you know, what prompted that as kind of the thing that sticks in my head about you? Well, it, it that's funny you bring that up. That's uh, I'm red. I appreciate that. It's it's that's good. No, uh, soybeans in Ohio is everybody has gotten fifty bushel every year. You know, and some of my favorite farmer quotes are: the beans look like rock stars all June and July. August they start to look pretty good too. And and you know, I'm thinking I'm going to have seventy, eighty bushel beans. And the combine rolls through, and and I'm lucky to get fifty. So, you know, there's a lot of things that challenged us. And before I came to Sunrise, I worked a little bit with a farmer, and we had a case of white mold and just devastated the crop that year. And I was looking for some answers on how to prevent that. Really, it's more of a management practice than anything else. And uh, started doing some research on it, and we tried it. And it it seemed to work as far as not planting 160,000 or 150,000, but just trying it in different spots and didn't see any yield drag at all by the lower populations. And it, it lined up with a lot of the research that I'd done on my own through the winter months that year. And when I got to Sunrise Cooperative, I met a guy by the name of John Smith, uh, Winfield United legend, I will say. And he's really, really knowledgeable on soybeans. And he gave me a lot of direction. And we had a lot of good conversations with regard to soybean populations. And he's really helped me out quite a bit. But we found that soybean populations you can lower the populations dramatically and, and not suffer yield drag and get down to that point when you're, at, you know, not a whole field average, but, you know, a, a low population zone of 80 or 90,000 and a really good productive soil on 15-inch centered rows up to 130,000, and you're going to be in a pretty good area. 
And a lot of our fields average at 125 or 120 to 130,000. And the growers are seeing that their yields are climbing a little bit. And in soybeans, it, uh, one or two bushel is phenomenal. But the biggest thing that they see is a savings in seed cost. And they could use that extra money or that saved money in different areas of production to improve yields. So the economic term would be reallocation of resources to capture that higher yield potential through the more systems approach of of raising soybeans. So I I think that's a great shift from the input that they have to buy, which is soybeans, to the technology that they could use. As you think about, you know, this, no doubt, the 2018 year from a commodity standpoint, we didn't see a lot of improvement there. We're under some tariff pressures, which don't give us great international markets. I don't know what I can say about 2019's prices right now. But as, as you think about that, is technology, if you're a farmer, is that something that there's, you know, you're seeing a really good ROI on from your perspective? Walk me through if I'm farming in 2019, what are the key decisions that I have to make around should I use technology or not? Well, I don't think the question as much as do I use technology. I think that the growers that we have worked with over the years and, and even some new people that are coming to our door to get some help and try and sort through the mess that is presented to them, whether they have the data already or if they're just being approached by a lot of different people with the next best thing and don't quite understand what's there. But I really do believe that farmers that are grabbing hold of the technology that we have, whether it be variable rate planting and whether it be grid soil sampling, which is the old grandfather method of, of precision agriculture, you know, there's so many different things that are out there that they could utilize. And it really comes down to what creates efficiency. And if, if it's variable rate planting soybeans, if, if I could get by by reducing my seed population, reducing my cost of seed so that I could capture a, a better opportunity to gain yield or utilize that seed savings for that technology investment, then that would be a long-term benefit for any of our growers to utilize. So um, the decisions that they have to be made is how do I get started and where do I go? And we could help our growers with that. But, you know, primarily it's just understanding where my production is through yield mapping, what my inputs are that went into that production, and how could I gauge my economics behind that through the precision platforms that are available. And if it means working through Sunrise Cooperative, that's great. We always appreciate the opportunity and and feel honored to help the farmers that we serve. So uh, we really think it's a great opportunity for farmers to capture that. You know, Craig, you talk about serving farmers. You're not only a leader in the precision ag space, but also uh, you're a leader in the podcast space. Uh, To have a a fellow podcasting guest host along with me, uh, give us an idea. What's the podcast name? I've been on it, I think, twice now. What's the podcast name and where can we find more information about it? Yeah, well, Joel, you're the leader. You were in this game before I was. So uh, it's called the Precision Vision Podcast. And, uh, yeah, Joel, you've been on it a couple times, and it's always fun talking to you on that. But the Precision Vision Podcast is a podcast co-hosted by myself and Morgan Sager from Winfield United. And we work on basically unpacking the ag technology tools so that we could help our listeners understand what's out there and what's coming down the pipeline that could be beneficial to them. So we've been working at it pretty hard, and it's been a lot of fun. I didn't realize how much fun it could be, but it is definitely fun working with. If anybody's interested, we have our own website. It's precisionvisionpodcast.com. 
com, or you could reach us through iTunes at Precision Vision Podcast. But we've always enjoy working with it and always enjoy talking to the, the leaders in the field as to what's going on and, and how we as retailers can adopt these technologies and, and help ourselves become uh, better service to our customers, but also to our farmer owners that are out there to help them sort through the ag technologies of today and how they could utilize these services. So in particular with your last episode, I think you and I talked a little bit on Precision Vision, the Forbes Technology Summit, which typically the Forbes Technology Summit was hosted in the Salinas Valley in California, where there's a lot of lettuce, you know, almonds, grapes, tomatoes, you know, some of the salad crops, if you will. But, you know, they kind of miss out on the the tech sector of row crops, which is where you and I kind of live, eat, sleep and breathe. So you had a chance to go to the Forbes Summit along with me out in Indiana there. What were some of the highlights for you? You know, you talked about being first in technology. Where were some of the, the highlights for you in the tech summit? There were quite a few of the speakers that I enjoyed. Uh, some that really grabbed my attention was the blockchain conversation. I've watched this from a distance and tried learning as much as I can about what blockchain is. And um, quite honestly, I'm still not quite sure. But the idea of a open platform ledger that can track product through the entire process of the growth and what field it came from, what grower it came from, and passing through the supply chain all the way out to the consumer I think it's phenomenal technology, and when you start to look at transparency and food security and food waste, then then I think blockchain really does have a place. And that was a fascinating conversation out there. Now, I always keep in mind that I don't think it would work great for commodity crops like what we deal with, the corn, soybeans, wheat type, where you co-mingle so much product from so many different sources. The, it would not be logistically possible at this point in time. But when you start looking at the fruits and vegetables and, like you said, the salad crops, I think it's a great opportunity for uh, food transparency, food security, and reducing the food waste that we have uh, in the United States, just are natural as far as the, uh, the process of, of moving product. So that was one that was a really big deal. I enjoyed Mike Vandalot's talk or the panel he was on talking about the seed technologies that are out there. And the part I really enjoyed about Mike, and I shared this with him when he was out there, when we were both out there, is, is that Mike was the only one that touched on the economics of the seed decision. And the fact that he talked about increasing yield and increasing it on the margin. And the most profitable bushel is the last bushel that you made. It's just very good and showed a deep understanding on his part about raising crops and, and selecting seed from an economic perspective. So both of those were really good topics, and, and I enjoyed that. So and then the final thing I must say about that is the day before the actual conference, they had a tour where you can go through the different um, and see different products that are in the development stages. And there were some really, really neat demonstrations on drones and using drones as an application tool for spraying uh, crops and being very specific in the amount that was applied and, and also the placement of that particular product for herbicide protection or, or insect. So, um, you know, there's a lot of really neat things coming along. Some of the ground sensors or field sensors that are out there were phenomenal demonstrations on what's possible with a lot of the data transfer and the uh, remote sensing that's coming down the pipeline, I think is going to be exciting over the next two to five years. 
the guys from Verizon Wireless, which you recognize as your cell phone carrier, you've maybe seen some recent commercials talking about 5G connections. We had a great conversation with them the other day. Winfield United was talking to them from a business-to-business perspective. And they actually, on the drone space, they actually bought up a company that has been working with the FAA regulations around being able to request clearance to fly in the low elevation areas and Mm. to be able to do that weather check, that safety check, and then make sure that there's no commercial aircraft in that space. So I I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, here's a company that, you know, cell phone coverage, they're trying to increase the amount of data that can be transferred throughout the air. But then they were Mm -hmm. also, you know, they obviously saw this drone space as something that's going to be growing that needed connectivity. I think one of the things I've run into is as I've flown the drone at the edge of the field and whether I was just gathering photographs or I was actually trying to do an NDVI image, you know, you wind up with this 64 megabyte file at the edge of the field that over a 2G or a 3G connection should take about a day and a half to upload to the cloud. So I I thought it was kind of interesting that that technology provider was trying to get an adjacency to their connectivity through the drone space and obviously follow the FAA regulations along the way. Yeah, that that is interesting with regard to the Verizon's interest in that area. You know, you think about Verizon, and, and I think of a data company, not necessarily a communications company, but they move a lot of data, and they've got the bandwidth in most areas to be able to handle that. But, you know, you get out to the remote areas of the United States, and, and there ain't nothing. It's it's hard to, like you said, it's your file size is not exorbitant, but it takes a while to uh, transfer when you're working with a 2G or 3G system. So it's good to hear that they're moving into that space because uh, there's a lot of improvement that we could make. And just with all the remote sensing tools that are out there from weather stations to these ground sensors that are out there, there's a possibility of a tremendous increase in data that's moving out of the field that we need to have good connectivity and, and good bandwidth to be able to handle all of that data so that we could be timely with our recommendations. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth, Director of eBusiness for Winfield United, and Craig Huyen, Data Innovation and R7 Lead at Sunrise Cooperative. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. 